is scheduled uh, forces us to meet after plenary because we, we all know that there were many plenaries earlier where we were going through the budget vote debates. So um, I really want to thank you for availing yourselves. Um, even, even though the, the, I mean, we're meeting in the afternoon and not in the morning. We are going to try and keep the meeting short, um, however, uh, considering that it is a Friday afternoon. Um, what we thought we would do is receive a briefing from um, legal and the research team of, of, of the committee in relation to the responses from witnesses who would have participated in the inquiry of Professor Ambati. Um, various witnesses did respond, some did not, uh, but that is basically what we are receiving today is a briefing from, uh, from, from legal and research in relation to that. Uh, we will then uh, engage, of course, to uh, ask clarity-seeking questions. But what we are trying to achieve today is for members to receive the briefing, be taken through the briefing, and then at a later stage, allow uh, for ourselves to come back in conceptualizing a way forward in relation to this matter. So um, on whether or not they, there would be a need for us to uh, open the process of, of interviews again and, and have witnesses appear before the committee on whether we conclude, um, on whether we make amendments to the report. Um, as we go through the document, colleagues will see how others may feel as though in certain parts we were a bit harsh. Uh, perhaps rather how I should articulate it is that there's a concern that we may not be consistent in how um, we judge or it's not, we aren't judges, but in how we articulate ourselves um, in different parts of the report. And so our objectivity is being questioned and um, on whether or not there may be a need for us to amend the, the report considering those matters. Uh, that is something that at a later stage we would request that members, uh, preferably, I think, how it would make the, the work of the research and legal team uh, easier is if we were to submit in writing the views of perhaps our, ver our various uh, parties represented in the committee um, uh, in, in, in making the process a bit easier for, for uh, the research team. So. That, that, that's, the, that's the way forward that we are proposing. So, you know, mainly in this meeting is for us to receive the briefing, ask clarity-seeking questions, and then we'll return at a later stage to uh, perhaps give our views as a committee on how we should move forward on this matter. And then we'll go into uh, the minutes that should, be, have, should have been shared by, by the uh, Secretariat and we'll adopt those minutes. So um, we, the, this afternoon's meeting shouldn't take very long, but um, we hope that uh, it would assist members to receive this briefing from research and legal. So I'm going to hand over, I think uh, uh, I ought, to, I'm not sure if I'm handing over to, if Memudiba is leading the team or am I handing over to legal? But uh, I'd like to at this point hand over to colleagues. Anela, perhaps before we continue, uh, let me check if there are any apologies. Good afternoon, Chair. 
No, we did not receive any apologies for this meeting, Chairperson. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much. Good um, afternoon, Chair. It's, it's Pumelele from Legal Services. Hi, ma'am. If I may, Chairperson, greetings to you and all the members. If I may, with your permission, um, at this stage from Legal Services, it will just be myself and Mam Paho will be taking us through the the, 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 the briefing on the responses, and then I will assist the committee at the end. Uh, my colleagues, uh, Ms. Gangan and Ms. Abraham, they are both engaged. And Ms. Gangan is on leave today. However, Fatima is busy with the Section 194 um, ad hoc committee. But if she's able, as soon as she's done there, she will also be joining us, Chair. I thought I should just indicate that apology. Thank you, Chair. Okay, thank you so much, um, Pumalele from Legal. Um, let me at this point then hand over to Memudib. Yeah, thank you, Chairperson, for this opportunity. Good afternoon, uh, members. Good afternoon, colleagues. Um, I'll be projecting. I'm not sure if it's clear on your side. Is it visible? We can yes. see it. You can just, yes. Then once you've put it on, there we go. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, as you've already indicated that we are receiving a presentation from the team on the summary of the witness statement, sorry, witness uh, comments and representation. Table of content is as follows. So we'll have introduction. We'll have summary of the witness uh, written comments representations, proposed issues for consideration and general observations. Um, just to remind members that on, on the 11th of February 2022, the committee considered and adopted a pre preliminary inquiry report. And um, one of the terms of reference of the report was that we should send to the affected parties the preliminary report for their representation. And um, this was allow, was to allow the affected persons the opportunity to make representations on the record in line with the Alteram Patem principle of natural justice. And then after the adoption of the preliminary report, the secretariat uh, sent the report to all the witnesses. I need to indicate here, Chair, that when I say all witnesses, I refer to those that uh, sent submission, written submission, and as well as appearing before the committee for oral testimony, including those that sent their uh, submissions without even appearing before the committee. And then we gave them a due date of the 17th of March. Um, within the due date, we received six submissions. And then um, the Council of the University of Venda and Sifakomahato University requested extensions to 21st and 28th March. And um, the committee granted uh, the extension and then they subsequently submitted their written representation. As I indicated, uh, we received eight submission. The first submission was from uh, the CGE, um, submitted by Ms. Jamela Robertson, the Chief Executive Officer of the CEG. The CGE acknowledged the, and welcomed the preliminary report and further notes that they have no further input on the report. And then the second witness was Prof. Chris Beer former VC of SMU as well. He welcomed the preliminary report and the opportunity to comment, but he indicated that he has no further input on the report. 
The third was Dr. Chipereke, the former director office of the former Univen BC. Um, he commented mainly on paragraph 430.3 regarding his include the name, uh, inclusion of his name among the several witnesses who made unsubstantiated allegations and did not furnish the committee with the evidence to support their submission. He says that the submission was made in good faith in the hope that the committee would be able to arrive at a definitive conclusion on matters that it sought to address. In the process of drafting his submission, he did not have access to his Univen emails, record, and other documents that were left in his former office. He relied on what he had at the time he left the institution. His written request to Univen to request access to his email account for the period he worked at the institution was declined. He attached to the written uh, representation his email request to the university, as well as the response by the university, which declined uh, his request. He says he found some other documents which he forwarded to his personal emails at the time he was with Univen. He's willing to send them to the committee in the event the committee still wants additional information. And the fourth uh, witness was uh, Ms. Michelle, representing the academic partners. Uh, she noted that um, the academic partners was pleased with the balanced view being taken by the, the report into the matters of the appointment of Prof. Mbati. She says they were called to attest to what had transpired regarding the appointment of Prof. Mbati as the VC at SMU. Though they came as fact-bearing witnesses, they felt ambushed, especially on the questions related to the CGE report. And then um, she further says she agrees with the recommendation 5.5.3, which instructs all the recruitment agencies to conduct independent verification of disclosure records. Request the committee to make it known that they do the verification regardless of it being included in a terms of reference. So this is what she's requesting that as a committee we add to the recommendation. And then um, she raises discontentment with recommendation 5.5.4, uh, which says academic partners should strengthen its investigation unit to ensure they conduct in-depth investigation into disclosures. The process should not be limited to Google search, but should also include analysis of the records submitted by candidates. And um, she says that um, this uh, recommendation is misleading as their overall process of investigation is carried out in tandem with in-depth investigations, often with the inclusion of hired investigators and forensic services, and not instead of. They proposed a revision to the wording of the recommendation, which the team, as, as the legal team and the content team, felt it is fair and should be considered. And 2.5, Prof. Mbati, former Univen VC, um, he knows that the committee used a soft approach to all the witnesses who made unsubstantiated allegations against him, and it is not calling them out for the malicious allegations. He expresses discontentment in the manner in which the committee has arrived at certain observations and conclusions without tangible consequence against those who intentionally presented falsified information before it, and the manner in which the committee is not even venturing into sanctioning them. Again, he says that the committee is not providing a way of redress for him, including others like Dr. Tantambeleni and Dr. Kone, for the reputational damage caused by those unsubstantiated allegations. He further notes that the committee uses strongly worded terms where the committee observes incongruence, but use a different yardstick on witnesses 
who were hostile against him and deliberately misled the committee. He termed this behavior by the committee a double standard. He further notes the concerted efforts by the committee to make generalized conclusion when it suits its narrative to cast aspersions on his integrity. He urges the committee to correct the wrong conclusion it had arrived at, or otherwise he, he will pursue them at an appropriate forum and get them corrected. He demands that the committee instructs the hostile witnesses who made unsubstantiated allegations against him to apologize in writing and also be sanctioned in terms of the rules of parliament. He raises objections with the findings of the committee as pertain to the following paragraphs. I will, I, will, I will not just read them, but as they are. And then he further knows that the committee has ignored the submission he has made so as to en engender its bias, biased submission. He says he will subject the report to a review if the committee does not reconsider. And then we have Dr. Lhuabe, who represented the Higher Education Transformation Network. Um, he commented on the whole report, not only on the parts that were relevant to Higher Education Transformation Network. And in the main, he made addition to the witness statements, the section that deals with the summary of the, the witness statements. He added his own information there, which is not in the, in the statements of the, the, the witnesses. Sorry. He raises objections on paragraph 2.3.1.5. He stated that there were several witnesses like Mr. Lakitekiso, who was representing Fesja, Prof. Benyani, Mr. Mutoti, and Mr. Lindelani Tridi, who only submitted written statements, but were not available to provide oral evidence and to answer questions. He further notes that this is irregular and subjective of the committee to accept and tested written evidence as, as concrete facts from alleged witnesses who failed or were not available to subject themselves to oral testimony and questioning by the committee members. Notes that the committee neglected to present and analyze the veracity of the evidence presented by the department officials to the committee relating to universe management of infrastructure grants from DHGT. He further notes that the report does not include the summary of the submission of Prof. Party and Dr. Ntambeleni, which is a material defect. We did indicate in the report, honorable members, that uh, we will not include the summaries because all the information that is in the summary, it's presented in the findings and recommendations. So we were trying to avoid repetition. However, we, in our discussion, we thought that maybe we can make those statements, uh, attach them as appendix to the report. And then he further knows that the committee omitted to include in the report crucial findings as contained in the SABNT forensic report. Um, he says Prof. Mbati as the VC and CEO of Univen must be held liable um, for fruitless and wasteful expenditure related to poor infrastructure management. With regard to the findings, he raised objection with Mr. Maimela's statement that Prof. Penja was dismissed and by virtue of her dismissal, Prof. Penja was no longer catered for under Univen policies. He pointed that the statement by Mr. Maimela was misleading. The HR appeal process of Univen provides that one is still an employee until the appeal is rejected. Ms. Mabusele, as the chairperson, was reminded of the policy. And he objects to the assertion by Dr. Tambellini that the university could not proceed with its internal process while the matter uh, was processed, with, processed by uh, external institutions. With regard to this other observation, 4.1.1.10, 
He supports the finding and further proposes that there should be a collective responsibility by all council members who served under Mrs. Mabusela and Mr. Maja, not only singling out Mr. Mabusela and Mr. Maja, but the collective of the members that served under them. And then it proposes additional input to the observation. And he further knows that the statement also is misleading with regard to 4.2.1. 4.12.2 objected to the statement that EXO procured the forensic investigator. And he said it's Profum Party who was the one who appointed a forensic investigator. On 4.13.3 paragraph, he objected to the findings by the committee. 4.14.2.3 agrees with the observation, however, raises a concern that no South African professors were ever appointed as emeritus professor from 2008 to 2018 during profit practice. 4.15.1 and 4.16.1, he objects to the findings and state that the committee failed to investigate the alleged payment of 6 million for the land that Univen occupies, including the allegation that the funds donated to the Univen Foundation were not properly accounted for. Uh, 4.17.3.3, he knows that the committee failed to investigate the matter of pending criminal cases opened against Prof. Party. And then 4.19.2, um, he objects to the findings. 4.27.5, he knows that the committee neglected to present and analyze the veracity of the evidence presented by the department officials to the committee relating to events management of infrastructure grants from the DHG infrastructure efficiency grant. Uh, 4.28.4 objects to the reliance by the committee on the untested evidence presented by witnesses who did not provide oral testimony. 4.29.8.2 and 4.30.1 denotes inconsistency in terms of the conclusion the committee made. Objects to the observations uh, that certain witnesses used the platform of the inquiry to settle personal scores. That's where we indicated that they did not uh, submit uh, supporting documents to their allegations, but objecting to that as well. And then in terms of recommendations, it welcomes recommendation 5.1.1 um, for Univen to make a written apology to Prof. Bentler. However, he knows it is not enough reparations for the public humiliation, defamation, and loss of economic and job opportunities by uh, Prof. Bentler. 5.6.1, he knows that the committee's unfortunate decision not to probe the allegation brought by the whistleblower and the referral of the material allegations raised by the whistleblower back to the SMU is the material flaw and error. This is in relation to the, the new submissions that the committee received prior to the committee adopting uh, its preliminary report. In relation to 5.10.3, he objects to the recommendation and knows that it conflicts with the constitution of the Republic of South Africa, further states good public governance and the lawful exercise of public power, which is a constitutional matter in terms of section 33 and section 195 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa, which the committee claims to act in terms of. And then with regard to the SMU um, written um, comments, the comments only on sections that are relevant to SMU, in the main, the findings, observation and committee. And then they commented on observation 4.37.1 relating to what the committee noted as modest operandi where requests are made and refused until a matter is placed on the court roll. Only then 
that as was the case with the CGE, the Higher Education Transformation Network was granted its PAJA request at the threat of court proceedings that were underway. The council made a um, submission and indicated that the observation was incorrect in respect of SNU and asked the committee to reconsider on the basis of the substantial detailed process that was followed to disprove the allegation. So they made a submission, a detailed submission in this regard. And the council supports all the recommendations that the committee has made in relation to SNU, and they made an undertaking to implementing them. Um, provides a response to the allegation by Higher Education Network that SMU Council irregularly allowed a suspended official to participate in the council activities, which according to the council is virtually incorrect. They said that Mr. Mampana did not attend any of the meetings of the structures in the value chain for the appointment of party SVC from the selection panel. Calls for the Higher Education Transformation Network's conduct to be strongly condemned in the final report as it has wasted the SMU and the committee's time and resources. Say so it supports the recommendation that who knowingly misled parliament under oath should be pursued. Univen Council, the last uh, submission, they welcome the opportunity to comment on the draft preliminary report. The comments were mainly on the observation and key findings and the recommendation. The University Council in its response to the findings knows that the findings by the committee on the manner in which the council handled the sexual harassment complaint by Penja are without merits. The council has implemented the sexual harassment policy as required by appointing the mediator. The recommendation of the first mutual report of the mediator could not be actioned after Prof Penja had been lawfully dismissed. She was no longer an employee of Univen and the university could not exercise jurisdiction over her. They said a parallel process could not be put in place outside of the Labor Relations Act to process the complaint as was reported to the institution outside of the university. In relation to the gaps uh, in the, the findings by the committee in relation to the gaps in the policy on sexual harassment, the university took note of the findings and noted that it had undertaken comprehensive review of all of its policies and they were still undergoing further consultation, meaning that they accept the, the recommendations of the committee. And with regard to the referral of the CGE report for judicial review without authorization of the council and the failure to implement consequence management, the council points out that it is a trite principle of law that where an agent commits an act binding a principal, the principal can ratify the act of the agent. The effect of the ratification is that the act of the unauthorized person is regarded as though he or she had authority at the time when the act was concluded. By ratifying the act of the agent, the principal confers on its validity with a retroactive effect. Therefore, the effect of counsel ratifying the decision to review the CGE report was in the eyes of law lawful from the onset. So the council knows that the VC is the CEO of the university in terms of the Higher Education Act, the university has not acted unlawfully in the review of the CGE report. Meaning that even though the VC was conflicted in the matter, they did not see anything wrong with that. In relation to the task team, appointment of the establishment of the task team, they said that they appointed the task team to look into the referral of the CGE report for judicial review. Mr. Mashiro was the chair and the convener of the task team and his untimely death led to the work of the task team not being finalized. 
which was unforeseeable and very credible by the university. Mr. Mashiko was appointed to the council for his legal expertise and in any legal controversy or issue, the university council readily consulted him as a legal expert and council member. There was nothing untoward about delegating Mr. Mashiko to provide counsel with legal opinion as well as to sit on any subcommittees to investigate the allegations made by Prof. Pendla. Um, and then with regard to our findings in relation to the failure by Univen Council to oppose the application by Prof. Mbadi to review and set aside the second mediation report by Mr. Lavery Mudisa in totality, they say according to the court order, the university was not cited as part in Prof. Mbadi's review application against the second Mudisa report. As a result, the university was unaware of those proceedings and it could not have taken a position either to oppose or support the application. Uh, in terms of the proposed financial settlement after sexual harassment allegation, the university maintains its position that it does not have records of the settlement proposal, neither does Bowman, Gilfield, and the universities, then lawyers have a record of such letter. No, have a record of such letter. So they say the university had not had sight of this letter. Nothing came out of the settlement negotiation process. The council notes the concern by the committee about the financial risk of unauthorized payments. The university's financial policies, as they say, are being tightened. The proposed settlement was never paid. And then the alleged abuse of subsistence. The council knows the findings of the committee. They say we made the findings. Uh, however, they, the findings were based on incorrect facts due to documents that were submitted to the committee by the university, which reflected incorrect amounts. The amount initially presented to the committee, they say, was from 2010 to 2016. However, the document presented as 2016 amount of SNT paid to Profum Party, meaning they gave us um, the total amount of the SNT paid to Profum Party from 2010 to 2016 when we requested only the 2016 figure. This is why they're saying it, it has created this. Uh, the error in terms of the findings or incorrect facts that we, we made our findings uh, based on those incorrect uh, facts that we received from the institution. So they submitted the correct uh, figures. However, there was still an issue that was not clarified why the budget of um, the office of the vice chancellor was increased in the same year. So they have not um, provided uh, any sort of a comment on that. We still don't know because they're not even giving a reason why the budget was increased. And um, in terms of the findings made in relation to Ms. Pendu, the council found the observation of the committee in relation to the paragraph 2.25.12 that Prof. Pendu was targeted and that her disciplinary action was calculated. It further knows that this is not the place for the committee to question or revisit factual determination made by the Labour Court. Alleged failure of Univen management to implement sound financial and supply chain management processes and to properly manage the institution, including various infrastructure projects. The university noted the findings and key observation by the committee. There were no objections to the findings. The council knows that employees implicated in the SAB and T next year report are no longer with the employee of the university. They say new systems and policies are in place. In terms of the recommendation, the university disagrees that it failed to implement the sexual harassment policy. 
the council knows that it had complied with the court order of 30th May 2016 in the CGE report. The university undertakes to conduct a review of the sexual harassment policy as recommended in paragraph 5.1.2, notes recommendation 5.1.4 on the amendment of the statute, including recommendation 5.1.5 and 5.1.7, and further undertakes to implement its Appointment of Ms. Pendu as Hemis officer in relation to recommendation. This says steps have been taken to address some of the recommendations while other the council undertook to implement them. Paragraph 5.2.12, the council knows that the committee had through the witness testimony that the university was not aware of the qualification issues in relation to Ms. Pendu. The university upon learning about these actions took swift, um, swift action against her. And then in relation to the alleged failure of union management to implement sound financial and supply chain management processes and to properly manage the institution, including various infrastructure projects, the council said, council has not raised any objection to the recommendation by the committee. In relation to the recommendation made in paragraph 5.4.1, the council clarified that the infrastructure development did not take off uh, and it is for the, that reason that there was no need for ministerial approval. If the university had intended to follow through with the project, it would have obtained the necessary ministerial approval, which also now is raising another inconsistency there because Prof. Mbati in his submission said the university applied for approval through writing to the minister. And the university said it did not have to obtain approval because the infrastructure development project did not take off. And then they say all abandoned infrastructure development projects were completed except one project in relation to the Development Bank of Southern Africa male residence, which was almost complete and occupation by Unibank student should take place from May 22 onwards. Meaning by this time, uh, students have been allocated or have been allocated um, rooms in that, in that residence. Three proposed issues for consideration by the committee. Um, as a team, we have noted that uh, there are some issues relating to untested allegations. The witnesses are raising these issues that the contention that the committee has not tested some allegations that were presented before it. However, the committee have neglected investigation by calling witnesses to appear before it to give oral testimony of their written statement. Therefore, credibility of the witnesses and their evidence is questionable. The committee accepted and arrived at some conclusion without testing and requesting evidence to support the allegations made. The committee has neglected to interrogate the new submission pertaining to irregularities in the appointment process of Prof. Party and chose to refer the matter to SMU Council for investigation and reporting. And then there's also a misunderstanding uh, of the invitation by Mr. Teki. So we felt that this is a misunderstanding uh, by uh, him as we send him the, the, the invitation to appear before the committee. And according to our assessment, we say Mr. Tekito's withdrawal to appear before the committee as a witness could have arisen from a misunderstanding that he was called to testify on SMU-related matters when his submission was focused on you. Because when we the committee invited him, we were already in part B. We were going to commence with part B. We believe that he thought we want him to respond on part B related issues, whereas even the letter was clear to say on the submission that you have made. But because now it was part B, 
he thought maybe there was no longer a need for him to appear. That's why he withdrew his um, first initial undertaking that he will uh, appear before the committee. He said the committee still scheduled testimonies related to UNIVEN even during the Part B process. For example, Mr. Lecheta and Dr. Tambelin also testified during Part B, but they were testifying on Part A related matters. Based on the above, there's a question we are asking, will the committee be open to reopen the oral hearings for certain specific witnesses, especially those that were not called to appear before it, including Mr. Tekisu? And then we also found that there are further issues that are pointed out in the submissions. For example, there's an alleged Nehau letter distancing itself from the role in Prof. Pendler's dismissal. The committee to consider writing to Nehau to confirm its position concerning the letters submitted by Higher Education Transformation Network. These are the, the letters that were submitted with the written representation. So at the time of writing the report, we did not have this letter. It was just what uh, Dr. Lohabe said. And then there is the, the proposed financial settlement letter, which both the university and the former uh, law firm said they do not have the, the, the copies of these letters in their archive. So we felt maybe we needed to write to Bowman's for them to confirm if the letter was written by them, came from the of their office or or not. And then there's um, a list of professors as Higher Education Transformation Network says that they do agree with our, our, our recommendation and observation. However, they feel like that um, since during the tenure of Prof. Mbati, uh, South African professors were not appointed as um, emeritus, we thought maybe if the, the, the committee still wants this, but uh, we are not sure. It's up to the committee to decide whether you will consider uh, requesting a list of professors emeritus appointed at UNIVEN before Prof. Mbati's tenure, uh, during his tenure and post his tenure, including the applications of the retired South African professors. Uh, this is to ascertain whether the allegation by Higher Education Transformation Network that South African retired professors were cyclined. So we cannot say they were cyclined if we are not sure if they have even applied to be a retired, uh, to be sorry, Professor Emeritus. So if we see those application indeed we'll be able to say um, they applied, this is the pro process that they went through, this were the decision that were arrived at by the committees um, that were responsible for adjudicating the applications. So, but without them, we can't be certain that they were purposely or intentionally cyclined. And there's also another, um, matter with regard to the issues of the, 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 the letters regarding the, the Deloitte report, because Higher Education Transformation Network reported that Deloitte has withdrawn their report. But when we wrote to Deloitte, Deloitte said, we have not withdrawn our report. They, they, we received a letter from Higher Education Network saying that uh, from Deloitte, when Deloitte was saying, um, our report was not used there in the dismissal of Pendler because they wanted um, the, the Deloitte firm to come and be a witness at the CCNA. So that letter which uh, the Higher Education Transformation Network sent to us as a supporting document for the withdrawal was actually in relation to the CCMA 
appear request for CCMA appearance, which the what we got as a committee is that the report still stands. We have not withdrawn the report. And then we feel like there's still some further clarity. Uh, allegations by Ms. Pendu relating to PricewaterhouseCoopers House Coopers appointed by Prof. Party to investigate the safety of HEMI systems and data. She alleged that Prof. Party was unhappy with the report and appointed as a T to investigate her office and there were no adverse findings against her. However, Prof. Party instructed the auditor to write what he wanted. And the last report had some differences compared to the first one that led to her being charged for fraud and subsequently dismissed. So Prof. Party is also saying that um, these two reports must be called for and we can't just uh, support the, the, the fact that he's alleging that this is what happened. So we need to get this report so that you, the committee can compare if it did what was in this report and the, the other report were two different reports and whether the, SA, um, the PricewaterhouseCoopers should also confirm that uh, Indeed, they investigated and they did not find anything against. And the fact that uh, there's this allegation that he instructed the, the auditor to write what he wanted. And then also the matter of Dr. Chitarake, who indicated that he has some information that he would like to share with the committee, which can assist with some of the issues that the committee is, is, is confronted with. And then the other says the concern is. If we do request this information, if we call all this information that I've just um, alluded to, it may raise new allegations, and those whom the allegations are level against may object to the fact that we did not give them a right of reply on the new observations the committee will make, meaning that uh, there is a possibility that they will raise those objections, and they have, if, if they were not given an opportunity to reply, then we would arrive at some conclusion unfairly. But this is something that the, the committee should uh, uh, discuss and give direction to. And then the issue of unsubstantiated allegations, um, says Dr. Jitarake detailed the difficulties he experienced in trying to get access to his former email account at Univen. His request was denied on the basis that access to email account is only limited to current employees. And based on this difficulty, as a team, we recommend that the committee consider its position on the naming of witnesses who fail to submit supportive documents. It is also that most of the witnesses, in particular former UN employees, were not in the employ of the institution at the time of the inquiry. But we also propose that the committee consider excluding paragraph 430.3 and 430.4 from the final report. However, those who have intentionally misled the committee be dealt with in terms of the powers, the powers act. Uh, in terms of the general observation, uh, we note that neither of the parties, Prof. Party nor Dr. Lohabe, are happy with some of the findings and recommendations of the report. Uh, Prof. Party claims that the committee appears to side with the witnesses who were hostile towards him and uses a soft approach when making observation against them. Even in areas where it is clear that there was a malicious intention to bring his name to disrepute. While, on the other hand, the committee uses strong-worded comments when they describe incongruence against him. 
Dr. Lohabe also alleges that the committee used a soft approach when dealing with Prof. Mpati and questioned some of the conclusions arrived at by the committee. Both Prof. Mpati and Dr. Lohabe threatened to subject the report to judicial review in the event the committee does not review certain observations and recommendations. And academic partners notes that the report on the matter of the appointment of Prof. Mpati is well balanced. SMU agrees with all the recommendations in the report and undertakes to implement them. Univen objects to the findings on the matter, sorry, on the manner in which the council handled the sexual harassment complaint of Prof. Pender and knows that given the evidence submitted, there is no basis for the council to make a written apology to Prof. Pender. Univen did not object to the findings on infrastructure development mismanagement, including the recommendations. The university notes it had already implemented some of the recommendations that takes uh, to action the remaining ones. Thank you, members. Thank you very much, Memudiba. Um, Can I check from Pumelele if there's anything else you'd like to add? Thank you, Chairperson. Um, we will just take the questions from the members and add any information when necessary. But right now, Chaperson, I will not be adding anything. Okay, thank you very much. Can I then open uh, a round of hands for clarities from members? Any clarities from members on the presentation? All right, from my side, perhaps what I'd like to understand um, is, uh, for example, under 3.2, um, there's a, a suggestion from colleagues that perhaps we should consider uh, reopening the process of interviews for those who, um, you know, for, for, for those who may not have appeared before the committee for oral submissions. In terms of um, the time that's usually set for such inquiries, could we perhaps have uh, guidance from um, either research or legal if there's usually a time set aside for, for such? And then also just uh, if colleagues could assist in refreshing one's mind, um, I think it's 3.3 .3 where we say that, um, or where it's said that both uh, Bowman's and the institution say that they don't have the financial settlement letter that Prof Pendler refers to. Have we... Um, do we have an indication of whether or not Prof. Pendler has a particular letter? Um, and then 3.1, uh, I mean, there are areas where perhaps it could be said that um, that some of our observations or our views have not been, or, well, there are allegations that have not been tested, but also there's a part where um, 
our views are questioned, but we also appreciate the fact that there could be a misunderstanding of those who have read the document in such that what there may be areas where they think it's our views as a committee. However, those are the those are allegations by other witnesses in their testimonies. But in in areas where um, could can, can we have an indication in that what we have said as a committee um, is supported, and that um, then what, the only area that we are left to test is uh, as articulated in three point two. Um, I have some questions as well on the review process, but I will leave that uh, for a bit later. I see Honorable Mananiso's hand is up. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, let me start by actually welcoming the report and as well uh, applaud our legal team for actually diligently giving give, 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 <coughs> by giving attention to this particular matter because of, uh, remember as a committee, when we were starting the process, we said we are in a fault-finding mission. So I, I think with what it's been said and what it's been submitted, Chairperson, uh, it is important that we consider those particular inputs that have been, that have been given to us by the weaknesses and check how do we respond to them. More especially that one where uh, it indicates that, uh, but indicates that uh, he doesn't feel right uh, with the wedding. So I, I think as a portfolio committee, let us uh, acknowledge and receive the report as it is and go and sit as political parties in terms of checking what needs to be considered pay uh, the, the, the recommendations by those particular weaknesses. And on the other issue, I'm partly covered by your question with regards to us allowing to reopening the process for submissions and uh, as a clarity-seeking question to, to, to the staff, uh, if they can just clarify us with regards to that. Uh, on the uh, presentation, uh, Chairperson, there's an indication in terms of where they've indicated that they, they given, they've given uh, the witnesses some time, like your Univen and SMU extension, uh, for the 21 and the 28, as requested by Univen and SMU. And I, I just need to get clarity with regards to what they are saying on, on, on that particular uh, presentation. They say that uh, these submissions were later submitted. So I want to check, uh, did uh, they submit after that requested time from their side of the 21 and the 28? And if so, what, what is the consequence uh, uh, management with regards to that? Because of, they are the ones who could have uh, asked them to say that, no, give us time from, uh, without that one of the 17 March, give us time for the 21 and the 28. And still, they don't comply with their 21 and the 28. So I want to check what is the consequence with regards to, to that of their late submission, if they have submitted after the, the, the 28th. And... Again, uh, with regards to, uh, I think one would want to say that, and I, I, 
accept the fact that those who came before the portfolio committee and uh, have actually given have actually misled us they need to be taken to task with what they have said because of they knew that everything that they were doing it they, they were doing it under oath so we it must not be taken lightly that they came and they left so we need to uh, make follow up with regards to that, and the, the 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 legal team as well. They must advise us in terms of uh, the way forward with regards to to those ones. However, chairperson, uh, as I conclude, if you can, one uh, would just want to comment to say if you can check on the slide twenty nine, where there's an indications of general observation from Com, uh, Prof Mbadi and uh, Dr Lekhwabe. I think you can see that uh, from, from our side as the portfolio committee, one would want to indicate that here there's, a, there's an indication that we were fair because of neither of these two parties are actually accepting everything as we have recommended. So I, I just want to, to, to say to the team, the portfolio committee itself, that uh, it really showed that uh, when we committed ourselves to this call of dealing with the issue of uh, sexual harassment, it was on the vein that we wanted to address a societal issue, not only at UNIVEN, but, uh, you know, in the higher learning of institutions in terms of whatever that it's happening. So I, 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 I think uh, this was a good study. However, we, it, we can just... Uh, take the report as it is and then as you have said when you made your opening remarks then political parties can make submissions based on the recommendations that have been submitted uh, thank you chair that's all from my side thank you thank you um, very much honorable mananiso i definitely agree with you i think the, the fact that both parties feel that we were lenient um, or you know, yeah, um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's slide 29. Uh, Dr. Lihwabe alleges that the committee was soft and Prof Mbati, Prof Mbati, um, you know, says that we were uh, not objective as well. So, I mean, um, I think for me that, that and, and perhaps it can be guided by colleagues, but that, that possibly does indicate um, uh, some form of objectivity from the committee. Um, I definitely want to support that. I see Honorable Matlatsi's hand has gone up. Yes, Chair. Thank you very much, Chair. And good afternoon to yourself and colleagues on the platform, colleagues from the uh, your office as content advisors as well as the, um, our legal services. Chair, mine is just to confirm or affirm what Honorable Mananiso has indicated in the relations to maybe how we approach uh, the matter now, precisely because we, we, we have received, indeed, we have received um, the documents, we have received information, and we appreciate the presentation. However, it will be important for us to go back and consult, uh, you know, from a political perspective and, uh, you know, to check whether we agree in terms of the, the presentation made by both content advisors and legal uh, legal services, and also to you know to to ascertain ourselves in terms of the approach that we are taking. Because of course, given the circumstances, one would not have expected a number of um, 
uh, imports to be challenged in the manner in which they've been challenged and would want to look, take a back step and go and make a proper analysis in terms of how do we move forward. But maybe from where I'm seated, Chair, um, just to get an analysis from um, legal services as well as uh, content advisors, given that we are seated with um, this particular outcome in as far as um, um, people who were cited in the report, in the report having to question or you know challenge the recommendations, where to from here? How do we navigate that particular space? What, from a legal perspective, what is it that the committee is ought to do beyond this? Secondly, we do also appreciate the fact that not all recommendations have been challenged, and I think that gives a you know um, a you know a some form of comfort that the work that we have done and we are doing as a portfolio committee is appreciated even by those who have been cited in the report. But from where we are seated is that let's take an approach to say, let's go back and analyze and, and discuss further, but at least we must be guided by legal services as well as content advisors in terms of what is, what is it as a portfolio committee can we do moving from where we are now? Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Mashadzi. Those are, uh, to some extent, the 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 um, inputs from from members, largely just seeking clarity, uh, and I guess also uh, affirming some of the observations um, put together by um, the research team. I, I think I, I would appreciate um, something in writing from colleagues that speaks to um, this, this, this possibility of this process or the report of the committee being taken um, for, for um, judicial review. And, um, you know, what, what then becomes sort of the how that plays out in the end. I think if colleagues um, from research and and uh, legal could assist us with that in, in written format, that, that I think it, it might need for colleagues to be to substantiate a bit further. Um, particularly in saving um, the integrity of this particular process, which we have on a number of occasions articulated to not have to not have been anything personal but uh, truly uh, speaking to ensuring that where we have faulted as a sector we make sure that um, we rehabilitate those spaces and ensure that the sector can continue to be a conducive environment um, for for its core mandate um, which is the academic program so that 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 is something that we, we really need to emphasize as we go through this process, and so we need to be able to save uh, the integrity and legitimacy of the process that we have embarked. And so, you know, um, if if this process were to be subjected to a judicial review, 
it would really um it would be an unnecessary contestation of the process but it would also really hamper on the importance of what we are doing so um i think from 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 us at the moment um uh, perhaps what would be important is for us to allow for uh members to 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 put their thought into the observations made and be able to then submit um something more concrete and tangible to the committee in areas where we need to accept the recommendations we accept if we need to contest we contest and and we add of course and we contribute to to what could be a a viable way forward so having said that i want to hand over then back to memu um, diba and the team thank you chairperson i will respond to the content related questions and then the legal will take the legal related question um there was a questions uh, regarding the submission date honorable uh, so the uh, smu and univen councils uh, did submit within their requested extension periods so they did not submit outside of that and uh, with regards to chairperson you indicated uh, if the settlement uh, offer letter does exist whether provenza has yes we also have it as a committee chair the, the letter uh, does exist i've just opened it right now yeah and i think there are certain things which are very interesting because i'm also thinking back to what um the university council said in relation to the agent agent taking a decision decision ratified by the principal and then here the letter also talks about that our client pay your client a final settlement amount of this much and who's this client maybe we need to find out who was this client because the university says we don't have this letter and then the law firm doesn't have who instructed them because prof mpati as well says i was not part of this who is this client of this um lawfare so i think this is it raises another interesting interesting in a matter you know that so there are people in the institution who can just take a decision you know for or counselors management and you know all these things so yeah it's it's very concerning and then um 10% there is some information that uh, came with the submissions as we said where we need to reconsider we need to reconsider the issue of um the snt we made the 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 findings the observations based on the information we received the supporting document we received from the university though prof mpati also gave us a different one but both prof mpati and the university accepted that we we arrived at that based on the incorrect information that we have received and also um i think in a way apologizing for for giving us like a, a wrong information that we, we the committee arrived at but as a, as a committee number report we indicated that there is inconsistency in the information that we have received and upon receiving the the correct information we will amend so where there is evidence we will amend where we need to amend where there's no evidence we will not amend we will still indicate there's no evidence and you know interestingly uh, honorable members you see they are contesting the findings against them they are supporting the findings against other people 
you know. And when it comes to also Prof. Mbati and the, the UNIVEN, UNIVEN accepts the findings in terms of infrastructure development, Prof. Mbati doesn't accept, you know. So it's, it's very interesting how, how, how this thing is out. You accept um, the findings against other people, but you don't want to accept the findings against yourself as well. So, yeah, those are, are, are some of the challenges that we're seeing. But as, as, as I say, where we need to amend, uh, there's a credible in, uh, information that we have, and then we will, we will amend. And, and the fact that also that not all the recommendations are, are opposed. So it's also indicating that uh, we've been fair somehow because we, we, we really are not stepping, assisting the other person to step the other person and assisting the other one. So neither these two main parties are happy with, with what we arrived at as, 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 as in terms of our preliminary uh, findings. So. I'm not sure. I think the legal advisors will clarify regarding the the witnesses that did not appear and the fact that we used their statements as well as, as submitted, you know, to to the committee in that regard and what the rules of parliament does about that. Um, yes, the fact that enrolled members you require time as well to sit as, as different political parties to come up with your own, you know, um, comments and, and, and proposals that we will still, as, as the team, we will look at and then we will discuss and see if there are legal implications or whether we can accept or not accept or come back to you and say, this is how we arrived at the decision in relation to what you have submitted. I think that is, is it's very important and will assist the process as well. Um, I'm not sure if there's something that I'm missing. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, if I may come in on some of the outstanding questions. Firstly, Chairperson, I think I want to deal with the question on the process and the request for responses and the timeframes. That issue, Chairperson, it needs to lie on the fact that this, as the committee indicated when we started the process, is an oversight exercise as opposed to legislative functions of parliament. And if it was the legislative functions of parliament as indicated in terms of the administrative promotion of administrative act, PAJA, then, then there would be no questions about the review, judicial review and any processes thereof, because the act is very clear that those functions of parliament are excluded from such review until the process is finalized and the, 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 the act has been declared by the president as an act. But in this instance, judicial review, Chairperson, can take place on, on the report or on the process of the committee if there are any shortcomings that the parties would want to argue and say perhaps this is where the committee went wrong. We are not sure what will be that as, as indicated. And also some of the responses did make it a point that it's clear that they are indicating that they, they would be taking this report for review but we would see when that happens as to what would be the basis, because as the committee is aware, legal services has been with them throughout the processes and even in looking at the terms of references and the process, just to ensure that the process in all 
its entirety is, is lawful and is procedurally correct. So that assurance we are giving to the committee that as far as we have unpacked and followed the, 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 the proceedings of the committee, everything is still above board and was done lawfully, so Chairperson. Now that would be the, the, the first question relating to fairness and the proper implementation of justice in how the committee exercises its functions. Then that takes me to the second question, which is asking how did it come about or why were the responses of the witnesses required in this instance? This is exactly the point. We had to ensure fairness and justice and that witnesses that the evidence or the recommendation was adverse against them. Once the committee has come or yielding towards the conclusion of preparing the report and their observations and their findings, they are given the final opportunity to make a view or a comment or present their contestations in any way where they feel that perhaps the committee may not have done its work properly or the committee may overlook certain evidence that has been presented. And what has come out of the responses, Chaperson, and as members have noted, it might then be a safe conclusion that the fact that neither of the parties that seem to have been seriously affected and presented to a certain extent personal personal um positions in the matter because of the conflict or because of how they were solely involved are solely not satisfied with the report and are also indicating with specific recommendations or observations of the committee how they are not satisfied. We have pointed out to the committee and as we were doing um, the analysis of the responses and going back to check the report itself, we are noting and, and finding that, in fact, it seems like this is exactly what the committee did to ensure that there is fairness and there is equitable justice to all that are adversely affected by this matter. And the responses, Chairperson, were asked of the witnesses so that they can comment before the report is made a final report of the committee. Because once it becomes a final report, then that becomes the decision of the committee, which must be approved and passed by the House, um, the National Assembly in this instance. So Jefferson, in light of the process then moving forward and the responses as at the stage that we are at, I think there are two crucial parts that the committee needs to be making a decision on. The witnesses that have indicated and explained how come they could not be part of, the, of, of, of giving oral evidence and some of the witnesses are having issues with them having not come to give oral evidence. The committee must make a decision whether they want to reopen the process and call those witnesses. However, Chairperson, it must be borne in mind that when that process is to take place, as already indicated, again, the same principles of justice will require to be put in place. But also, Chairperson, the work of the committee must come to its finality at some point and prolonging the process because witnesses wants to eventually be satisfied on the evidence that they could not bring 
at the time when it was asked and it was due, that is another issue which require consideration and, 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 and must be validated, Jefferson. Um, now, in terms of the rules and, 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 and in terms of the constitution, since parliament is a creature of statute, it's very clear that parliament can set how it controls and how it conducts its internal processes. And this is exactly what the committee did when it set out the terms of reference, when it set out the program and the program was approved also by the relevant uh, authorities within parliament of the committee. Now that said, Chairperson, if the committee does take a stand or a decision that there are specific witnesses that they would rather hear their evidence orally or in written statements, that would be a decision of the committee. But also from, from what we have done and how we have unpacked, for an example, Mr. Tekiso, Mr. Tekiso's evidence and, and his reasoning for withdrawing to be part of the, of the witnesses that gave evidence was based on a misunderstanding. And his evidence has been contested. There was a written statement and the parties that would have been affected by what he had to say have actually to a certain degree, especially through the responses, given the contestation that would have benefited from the oral testimony and the questioning that would have been done. Now that said, Chairperson, and on the other witnesses who have, who have indicated that they would be in a position to present more, again, that evidence would require to be tested and assessed whether it assists or does not assist the committee in any way from where the committee is at right now. So the committee in terms of process must make informed decisions in terms of those processes and reopening processes that have undergone up to this point. Um, but, it, and in our view, Chairperson, we are, we are convinced and having suggested to the committee that this is an oversight exercise and an oversight function never gets to an end because things transpire as the events are also occurring. We have already also pointed out that there is another room for the committee in conducting inspections in the specific universities where these allegations had been raised. And in fact, in respect of the infrastructure and the reports that have been given, for an example, by, 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 the, uni, by the UNIVEN Council, the, uni, the, the council can make inspections in local and go and verify whether the projects that UNIVEN is saying they have completed and are in order, whether that is the case, and then prepare ongoing reports in, in, in light of whatever findings the committee would be, would, would be making, would be finding out when they go to the ground. But I think in, in, in great instances with the reports and, and all the information that the committee has received, in our view, the committee has substantially looked into the evidence before it and given it sufficient time. The report at some point needs to come to, to, to an end and be produced as a final document so that whoever 
wants to take up issue with the report must do so. Hence, Chairperson, in our advice, what should happen now is, is for members to, as they've indicated, to go study the report and give any input, whether it's on the language or whether it's on the substance or it's on the content, because this exercise was the committee's exercise. We were only assisting the committee and there was no evidence leader who, who then would take the full responsibility of the report, but it's going to be the report of the committee. And we are also still further going to assist the committee and relook at certain parts of evidence, as Chairperson asked in some point whether we can give an assurance on the report and the questions that have been asked by the by the responding witnesses. We can give the committee that assurance that the report, in fact, as, as was put together by all the supporting staff, we did consider all of the evidence that was presented and submitted. And we were going back and forth to ensure that where there are possibly contradictions or conflict in what we are saying, we correct that and we verify it against the evidence that um, the big act liver files were given and the oral evidence that was done. Because as we were here, we were taking notes and ensuring that every process is recorded and fully followed in line with the constitution, the relevant legislation. In terms of those witnesses, Chairperson, um, I think Honorable Mananiso asked what we must take serious those witnesses that misled the committee and we have evidence that that was the case. In light of the two provisions that Mampaho pointed out, which was saying where we have listed the names of witnesses and say they, their evidence was either not complete or was was not providing committee any certainty. That's the, 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 the clause we are saying, perhaps instead of mentioning people's names, we still maintain that somewhere that might have happened and there is an explanation as to what could have happened there. But there is also a process of those that legal services together with the with the support staff of the committee will then have to engage on further in line with the powers and privileges act to put into to 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 bring into book those that have clearly misled the committee and given evidence that even despite all the all, all the opportunities granted they could not verify the, veris, the veracity and the truth of the information that they've given and those witnesses the report is going to point out and the report is going to also add that they will be dealt with in terms of the powers and privileges act because that's where the enabling provision to address witnesses who come and lie in parliament must be dealt with um, and then, Chairperson, I won't be touching on the question of the contents because Mampako has has answered all of those questions. And um, from my notes, I think I've tried to cover all the questions and the legal questions that were posed. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Pumelele, and thank you very much to Memudiba. Um, honorable members, that's been the brief that we've received from um, our colleagues. We hope that it has assisted in understanding what may have been sent to you. Um, what we then would um, ask, and we will we'll set timeframes via communication, via email, 
on by when we would request the submissions, written submissions from from members to be made. Uh, I don't want to set that time frame yet. Um, I will I will consult with colleagues and um, revert to to yourselves as soon as possible. But for now, I, we hope that um, the presentation that you re received has assisted, and uh, we really urge all of us to contribute to assisting one another in how we move forward on this matter. Uh, so on that one, I think we can say we have concluded and move towards the adoption of minutes. We have a, a number of minutes to adopt this afternoon. I think it is about five sets uh, from the fourth, sorry, uh, from the 4th of May, from the 4th of May, 5th of May, 6th of May, no, 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 from the 4th of May, 6th of May, 11th May, 13th May, and 22nd May. Those are, that's the set of, of minutes. Um, the first would be on the fourth where we dealt with the NSF and the LGCTA and their APPs. The next one would have been, sorry, I'm trying to follow. The first is the 22nd of April, Chair. Oh, not May, yes, that's correct. Sorry. Yeah, so the first would be the 22nd of April, we were dealing with the DSI and uh, NACI uh, as well as TIA. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll just move for um, if members would like to make any amendments or additions, they can indicate. But I think we can just uh, we can just adopt them in bulk at the end. Twenty second, we're dealing with. Um, TIA, NACI, as well as the DSI and uh, um, APPs. So I hope that is a true reflection of the meeting. If uh, at any, I, I won't see hands because I'm looking through my, my, my laptop. So if at any point members need to come in for any amendment, please do indicate. On the 4th of May, then we interacted with NSF, LG, CETA, and their APPs. I think from my side and um, resolutions and even observations um, in relation to the NSF, I don't think we are clear enough on the fact that um, coming out of what, so depending on what may come out of um, the work that's being done by the entity and the report on the forensic investigation, um, the committee then will determine it will review its position on the, the structure of the organization. So referring to its organogram and how the, the organization is currently set out. I don't think that we capture that particular sentiment. Uh, and if colleagues could assist us with that. We then move to the 6th of May, where we deal with Sansa, Sagnasp and Asaf and their APPs. Um, I hope that members feel 
covered by these minutes. All right. Then we would move over to the 11th, where we deal with WUSU and the CHE. Um, I, I hope members feel represented in those resolutions and observations. Chair. Yes, Honorable Mananiso. Yes, with regard to the observations and recommendations, I think on bulletin number one, uh, where we actually indicate that uh, we are not satisfied in terms of whatever that has happened uh, at Wusune, we further said that uh, the university must make sure that they give social support to those affected. So I didn't see it coming, you know, explicitly so. On, on those particular uh, uh, recommendations. So can it be put in as a bulletin itself? Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Mananiso, for that. Colleagues can take cognizance of that. All right. Um, okay. Yes, Memudiba. Fine, May, through you. Yes, you may go ahead. Yes, we do have it in the report. Um, just bullet to number bullet number five. We say the university provides psychosocial support to all the affected students as part of improving the state of their mental health. Is that under recommendations, resolutions? Yes. Under okay. Yes. Yeah, I see it. Provide psychosocial psychosocial support to all the affected students as part of okay, so it's covered under resolutions. I hope that suffices, Honorable Mananiso. Then we can in, move. in order because of I didn't see it on the observation and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's correct because members observed and then therefore they uh, recommend, but. As long as it's covered in the in the resolutions, I think we're fine. Um, and then we on the thirteenth of May, we were then dealing with uh, the consideration of the report and budget vote thirty five on science and innovation. And and there it's a discussion we had last week Friday, in relation to this. Well, what what more could be added? To the document. All right, that's then it, honorable members. I think those are all the minutes. Am I correct, Anele? Thank you, Chair. Yes, that's correct. All right. Thank you very much, honorable members and colleagues. I now, at this point, I note that we do meet quorum. Um, and so we, I would like to move for someone to adopt the minutes, the set of minutes that we went through. And, uh... I move for the adoption of all the minutes. Thank you very much, Honorable Litsie. We did miss your voice in this meeting. Um, I would like to then note someone to second the adoption of the minutes. Honorable Mananiso. Thank you, Chair. I move. Uh, actually, I second the minutes as adopted by Honorable Litsie with amendments. And one would want to just suggest uh, 
to our supporting staff uh, with regards to their uh, subheadings of each and every uh, remarks to say uh, perhaps in future uh, they must omit writing each and every bulletin by saying the committee said, committee said, they just need to write the subheading and, and said uh, these are the recommendation as submitted by the committee, then they just write them on bulletin rather than starting by saying the committee said, the committee said, uh, that's, uh, that's it from myself. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Mananiso. Um, that recommendation is well noted, and I think uh, colleagues can then go and, and reflect on how uh, alternative ways of which minutes can be written. All right, uh, honorable members, it's 1527. That brings us to the end of our meeting. Uh, the minutes, um, the set of minutes that we went through are adopted. Um, thank you very much. We will see each other next week. Um, in fact, maybe let me just um, in, uh, announce here. Uh, we, we, we were meant to have a joint meeting with various committees to as, as our commitment to um, assisting the department in garnering support for us to uh, better coordinate the budget of science and innovation. We were meant to have that meeting next week. However, um, we, we've amended that and therefore we'll have that meeting um, the, the week after that uh, just to um, accommodate some of the other committees that we may have to meet with. Um, how, so, however, the 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 visit to the MR, MRNA, um, therefore, well, that meeting was supposed to be a site visit. So it has been brought up and um, we would really appreciate it if post this meeting, members could kindly indicate in the WhatsApp group if they would be available for a physical meeting um, or, you know, whether or not we should consider perhaps having it hybrid. So basically, if it was to be physical, we would be going to um, we would be going to is Shanaz in the meeting. Where, where is this place that we're going to again? Yes, I'm here to you, so it's Montague Gardens. So it's close to Molniton in Cape Town. So this is where the the labs are there and everything, and this is where we are putting together our um, the vaccines, etc. So. Um, yeah, if colleagues can indicate, I mean, we, as I always say, we are a very considerate uh, committee, an accommodating committee. So we we want to see if, um, given that maybe colleagues would have would have, um, you know, organized themselves in a manner that they are available for that site visit the following week. Now we're saying it should happen at the end of this week. So if members could just uh, indicate in the WhatsApp group. If they would be available for that for that visit physically, then we can make the necessary um, arrangements for that. Um, I think Honorable Manessa's hand is a legacy hand. I'm not sure. Sorry, yes, it is. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, if if colleagues could just if members could kindly assist with that, um, so that um, the the secretariat can make the the necessary arrangements asap. All right, so having said that, uh, members and colleagues, thank you so much. Uh, this meeting has come to an end. Have a lovely weekend. Hey, you too. I'm late from the. Ali Bongwe, thanks for giving me time, please. <laughs> thank you. It's all good.
of you're available so that thank you very much for that okay no the people would be seeing okay recording stopped <laughs>